G'day beer lovers and welcome to The Antidote, a special series of special episodes of Brews News Live and I'm your host Pete Mitchum. In this series we hope to engage with the beer community to share their insights, to get some ideas and some strategies and to provide an online gathering place. We are, if you like, your virtual beer garden and you are all welcome. Today we have a very special treat for you with an extended pre-recorded chat with John Hole from New Jersey. He's the co-founder and editor of Beer Edge, the newsletter for beer professionals. He's the host of the podcast Drink Beer, Think Beer, and a co-host of Steal This Beer. Hole is also the author of several books, including the American Craft Beer Cookbook, which I have, and it's a cracker. He's a contributing editor for Wine Enthusiast, and his work has appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and many, many more. I'm joined each day by my Brews Newsweek co-host and good mate, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Good afternoon, Pete. How are you, mate? I'm very well. It's been a long day, and I had to get out and have a, a good long walk because my ears have, have kind of been encased in headset uh, for, for a fair chunk of the day. So uh, lovely that we had beautiful weather down here in Melbourne just for a change, a bit of a break in the in the shitty weather, and uh, so I got out and did a bit in the garden. Yeah, and it, it, you know, like it, it, it's just been a long week. We've, we've been, I don't think we've ever spoken more, even during the exhibition when you're living here. Um, well, we probably don't talk as much as we have this week <laughs> between planning the shows and recording them. We really missed me. We, really, we, we just don't talk anymore. <laughs> but, but, but now we do, and it's so nice. And I, I probably just need to give a quick clarification for regular listeners who heard yesterday's show and we said that we were going to be speaking to the Queensland Minister for uh, State Development. I just realised, yeah, it's, it's just got worse and worse, Matt. What do you mean? Well, Matt wanted me to say, let everyone know that we teased the Minister but he had to pull out and his name's Cameron Dick. Uh, yeah, okay. We, we, we said that off mic. I was going to be a little bit... Anyway, so we, we were going to be speaking to uh, Minister um, Cameron Dick this afternoon. He wasn't able to join us the last minute. He, he, if you follow him on social media, he's been a crazy man uh, getting around really championing uh, manufacturing in Queensland. Um, and just on that, Matt, is five o'clock maybe like the end of the working day? I don't know if they have, like, in, particularly at this particular time, uh, briefings or debriefings or let's plan for tomorrow. Because presumably he doesn't have the same, you know, racing off to the, the, the number of functions that they normally would. But do we maybe need to organise for him to have a chat with us and then post it later? Yeah, well, that's possible. So, you know, that's the great thing with uh, the technology that we're gradually <laughs> sort of acquiring here. We're able to do pre-records. And so, yeah, but uh, he has guaranteed us that we will speak to him early next week. Um, and it, it just sounds like there's so much happening in Queensland. Uh, so it will be nice to be able to sort of catch up on some of that. No, it also, you know, we've uh, had, yeah, had a few things to say in, in the past about um, some of the things that the state government's done, namely the fire levy. But when they're doing good things, you know, um, certainly like to, you know, politicians don't often get applauded, so it'd be nice to do that. But anyway, we're, we're, we're we need to leave a bit of time, Matt, because we're we do have, we, we did, yeah, suggest that we do have a special treat. Um, a couple of things. One, we didn't quite set out when we started speaking to John that, oh, look, you know, normally we, we get, you know, 15, 20 minutes or, you know, 10 minutes per guest, but um, with you, you know, we'll, we'll, let's just go where it goes. And it went a bit. Oh, but, man, I could have kept chatting. I, like, it, it, it's, it's a and we did after chat. we stopped recording. I think we had another 15 or 20 minutes after we stopped recording. Yeah, I mean, well, at least. And even then, it was only because we had to record Bruce News Week. So, it, you know, I'm actually going to reach out to John and see if he will, you know, maybe do a you know bi-monthly 
Um, you know, we, we, we speak to them every two months. Is that bi-monthly? Um, uh, or is that twice a month bi-monthly? I don't know. Anyway, That's an speak to him anyway, you know, let's say twice every a month. month or two, just because he, he he's such a thoughtful, entertaining, uh, you know, dear broadcaster. Um, it'll be great to sort of uh, keep on top um, with all, all the stuff that he's doing. But anyway, yeah, no, great chat coming ahead. So, do, do we need to tease it any more than that, or introduce it any more than that, Pete? I reckon that'll do. I've already read his bio on the thing because I was trying to save time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Grab yourselves a beer, guys. And Make uh, sure you got a beer. And enjoy our chat with John Holt, all the way from yeah, New Jersey. John Holt is our guest this afternoon. He's a journalist who's been covering the beer industry for as long as I can remember. He's the co-founder and editor of Beer Edge, <laughs> the newsletter for beer professionals. He's the host of, well, one of Radio Brews News' favourite podcasts, Drink Beer, Think Beer, and co-host of Steal This Beer. John Holt, welcome to The Antidote. Guys, it's uh, great to be talking with you again, uh, although under these circumstances and the antidote, I think, is a, uh, uh, this is the first time I'm on this particular segment with you guys, but uh, it's great to be talking with you. Yeah, John, d d d d this was just something, yeah, no, d d this was just a little thing. I, I, I caught your most recent podcast or the first podcast that you put out, um, and, and I don't have uh, the, the guest in front of me, but the tone that you had when you were speaking was just as everything started to break and businesses were shuttering and they didn't know how to do it. And that was how we felt um, with, with our regular programming the first week. And we sort of, well, can we continue at the moment with our with what we're normally doing? Um, and so the antidotes sort of came out of, uh, out of that thinking, well, let's do something different um, and, and talk to the industry about what's going on, how they're dealing with it, and you know, sort of sharing that mindset so that's pretty much what the, the antidote is it's uh, just a, a break from our regular programming while we all confront the, the craziness yeah and that's uh, you know so andy andy crouch uh, fellow u.s beer writer and i when we started uh, beer edge a couple of months ago um you know everything was great and everything was a lot of fun and uh, we also launched a podcast that's called beer edge uh, just obviously named after the company, but uh, that is directly related to COVID-19, and we're doing those once a week as well to sort of take the temperature of stuff. But we wanted to use the existing show to um, you know, update listeners, and you're right, nothing is normal. And I think to treat things like it's just beer business as usual or drinking as usual or whatever as usual um, is just kind of folly. Um, and so we wanted to do one show at least uh, on Drink Beer, Think Beer, where we talked about, you know, obviously the elephant uh, in the room that you don't want to breathe on you. And then <laughs> we, uh, and then yeah, and then we switched everything over to there. And I, I every week on 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 the show, I'm I'm just reminding people like, hey, these are some things that I recorded before the world got locked down. So if we're not talking about it or we're talking about it in vague terms, that's why. And we do want some normalcy uh, out there, we've decided, that you know, if, if I can do interviews with folks for at least the next couple of weeks that we've already recorded and just sort of talk about, um, you know, give people levity and give people a chance to sort of break away for just a few minutes uh, and, and remember world pre-COVID-19, um, Hopefully that's a that that's a good thing, but that's a that's a long rambling answer. No, Sorry. no, no. Well, that's exactly what we found. We found that people want, you know, yes, they want to keep in touch, they want to share ideas, which is what this show is. But then they do want um, a little bit of normalcy and a, a little bit of regularity. And I recorded a a podcast yesterday um, for an upcoming show that we we barely talked about it at all um, because you know 
probably th- what, roughly three weeks in, we, we're now starting to find our rhythm. Um, and you know, we, we've, you know, as Winston Churchill said, you know, it's it's not the beginning of the end, but it's the end of the beginning, and we now need to, you know, settle in and uh, for for what is an indeterminate ride. You know, and the interesting thing about recording some of these things as the world was starting to change, or and before certainly, you know, we all went into to hibernation and to lockdown, and we started to you know hear these these terrible stories that 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 are existing. They're, these are going to be time capsules in a lot of ways because once I have to start recording new episodes for the show that'll air, you know, probably the same week, that's all we're going to be talking about because you know it, it. I can't necessarily be like, hey, how's business going, you know, and and not expect a COVID nineteen answer or you know, hey, what are you brewing right now or what's popular? A- any question that you ask, this is a such a world changing event that. Uh, it's going to take a long time for us to come out of that. You know, I, I lived in uh, in the greater New York area, uh, and I was a newspaper reporter when 9/11 happened. And to this day, I mean, you know, 20 years later, it still comes up in conversation. It, it still comes up all the time for people who live around here, who you know, watched the towers fall or lost relatives and lost w- loved ones and friends. Like, it, it, you know, there was sort of this this event that. And it was tough for other people around the world to sort of, you know, understand it in the way that we did because we lived here. Um, this is such a global event that this is where the conversation is going to, to, to be going for years to come, if, if not longer. It's interesting you, you mentioned the idea of the time capsule because I've been thinking uh, along the same lines. And Pete and I have been recording podcasts since 2011. And I think, gee, Pete, what year was it? What, what year were you in New Zealand, John? Because that was the first time that we met. Uh, 2014. 2014. And uh, yeah. we recorded an interview with you then. And That's you know, right. It, it's the, the thing, the richness that it adds to the experience is that when, when you write, you can capture a scene, but it's always through the, um, the, the, the writer's lens, whereas this, you're actually hearing the voices. And you know, a couple of the interviews that we've recorded have been really um, intense and you hear the emotion in in the person's voice and that just adds a, like a a, a, a a texture to to something that the, the the word on the page doesn't always get yeah and that's it, i i know for 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 you all as broadcasters and journalists and and and, and fellow writers I, I don't know if you've experienced this but i've been on the phone with brewers uh mostly in the u.s i've done a few international calls at this point but mostly in the u.s and I almost feel like I've become a therapist in a lot of ways mm. because, you know, people just want to, you know, open up about their businesses and, you know, uh, you know, folks have had either some downtime or they're scrambling to change their business plans, you know, sometimes by the day, you know, and so they're going back to their original business plans and they're saying, okay, when we were expecting to be really small, when we were expecting to be nimble, you know, before we became this, you know, big bloated you know ex- brewery of excess as it as it were you know like and it was just going to be you know husband and wife team or you know two best friends or something like that running the place you know what did it look like and and they're getting all nostalgic and they're remembering why they got into the to the beer business in the first place and then they kind of lose it a little bit you know because this is their livelihood and they've just had to lay off people and they're looking at balance sheets that are you know headed towards zero or well past it at this point um you know and they're just sort of you know using the show talking to me, you know, as sort of this therapeutic thing. And 
you know, it's it, it's a privilege when they want to talk to me, um, and and I appreciate every, every moment of it. But you know, I also like wind up. I love talking to fellow writers because I feel like I can kind of you know do what they've been doing to uh, to to me to you guys. So, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> well, let's just take a step back, um, and we we want to talk about what's going on in the U.S. scene, but you are in. Uh, New, the greater New York area, and yeah. the, the the things that we're hearing uh, through our media is that New York is the hot is is the epicenter in in the U.S. and it it, it, it sounds to us pretty horrific over there. W- what's your experience in you know personally? Uh, uh, I mean, life has changed quite a bit. Um, we've been on virtual quarantine and lockdown. Um, you know, I mean, personal worries abound. Uh, my stepmother came down with it, uh, and uh, she's thankfully on, on the mend and on the rebound, but we had a couple of scary days there uh, about a week or so ago, um, you know, worrying about her and obviously worrying about my father. They're in the same house. My dad's not showing signs of that, but, you know, when, when there's this terrible disease going around and people that you love have it and you can't be with them, you can't go near them, um, and we're seeing these stories from the hospitals, you know, where uh, you know, parents are separated from their kids and vice versa just because this thing is so contagious. Um, you know, we had a, a you know, a 1,500 deaths just in, in, in New Jersey so far and, you know, 50,000 total cases at this point. And, you know, people are recovering from this. And, you know, my stepmom's a, a, a great example of that. Um, but, you know, we're also losing people, um, you know, as well. And lives are really being impacted. And so um, everything around here feels surreal um but there's a there's a nice thing that happens as well there's sort of beauty um in the the the, you know the surrealness of it uh every night at seven o'clock uh uh, eastern uh people go out into their front steps uh if you're in new york like you open up your windows or you go out to your balconies or, or whatever and uh and and you just sort of applaud into the open air and the idea is to cheer on the first responders uh, the doctors, the nurses, uh, the EMTs, the folks who are really on the front lines of this. And it, it's this it's this really beautiful thing of thanking people in a, in a very public way while we're all still separated from each other. But I get to see my neighbors all out on their front porches for, you know, a minute. <laughs> and uh, and it, it's just there's sort of a nice thing in that as well. So as much as this is, is terrible, and it is um, – I've been really trying to look hard for the beauty and the humanity and the and the human spirit in all of it. John, from this far away, I guess we look at New York um, as, you know, the five boroughs. We think of it as, you know, obviously big and sprawling and that sort of thing. But we also think, I guess, when we think of New Jersey, we think, oh, well, it's, you know, off on an island somewhere where it's, you know, surely you could just close the bridge and, uh, you know, you'd be fairly safe there. I think it's the there. guys from Australia. Um, I love that the guys from Australia are calling my state off on an island somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, well you know, we're not an island. We're a continent. Come on. That's right. Yeah, we're just a very still. big version of Manhattan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we sort of – I yeah, guess we see okay, you know, sure, um, yeah. the, the population right. of, of Manhattan, I think, is the, is about the same as the population of the, the whole state of Victoria. Um, 
And sure. so obviously we, we, we know that there are people living uh, much closer together than perhaps we, that we, we have here. How are you going with just daily life things like can you get exercise in? Um, is everybody having food yeah. delivered or are you able to sort of get out as long as you keep a distance? You guys know me. Yeah, do I get exercise? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> on, I was trying to throw you a actually, bone there, John. No, um, I appreciate it. Actually, I've been doing uh, – so we've been doing family walks and social distancing from folks. Uh, so we do family walks twice a day, which is really nice. And uh, I signed up for an online exercise program um, uh, run by one of your uh, fellow statesmen, uh, Chris Hemsworth. He's got this uh, center thing, um, all Australian trainers uh, yelling at me in the morning to you know, do burpees and uh, uh, sit-ups and jackknifes and all sorts of stuff. So I've been doing that once a day, which is, oh, which mate, is pretty if, good. If you've ever seen me, you'd know that I've been following Chris Hemsworth's uh, routine for years. Uh, for years, yeah. No, <laughs> it, uh, uh, it was actually you that inspired me to, to, to follow that. I've now so, got a mental picture of John Hole and Matt Kierkegaard in the next Thor movie. <laughs> Guys, when when all of this is ended, we can get back together. We need to to do that video. It's uh, you know, get fit with uh, Matt and John. <laughs> it's just us doing arm curls at the bar. Um, but it's uh, yeah. So uh, we do grocery runs uh once a week. Um, and I go in. I have the mask and I have the you know the gloves and uh, we have a list. Uh, you know that's pretty detailed. I'm doing uh, shopping for my mother-in-law. Um, so it's a, it's a big order, but like, you know, it, 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 it's all these things of like, you know, you have to look and not touch. So if you wanted to pick up a gallon of milk, uh, from, from the store, I, I'm already looking through the glass and seeing the date before I pick it up, as opposed to just grabbing one and looking what's behind it or looking what's on the side. Cause the less you touch, the better it is. Yeah. So, uh, it, it, it's learning new ways to shop. Um, and yeah, we're trying to support local restaurants as well. But in the four weeks that we've now basically been locked down, you know, you start calling places and they're just shuttered at this point. You know, the 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 five or ten or twenty orders that they were taking a day versus you know the hundreds um, just aren't paying the bills, and you know they're they're worried about their staff and the, and and their own health. So uh, that's dwindling uh, a little bit. Um, but the breweries are open, which is great. Um, if I wanted to get, uh, wanted to get beer, um, which, you know, I'm fully stocked here, but I've been still trying to, to support some of, uh, some, some of the ones that are, that are local. But yeah, I, I every, t every day that I can stay home without having to go someplace is another day that we get to, you know, flatten the curve as they say. And, um, Look, I, I mean, feel like it would be selfish to, you know, just be running out to breweries just to, you know, pick up beer a couple of times a week as much as I'd love to. And that sounds, you know, like, as odd as it sounds, vaguely normal. Um, because again, the, the stories that we're getting here are, you know, that the streets are lined with refrigerated um, trucks to act as morgues, and they're talking about digging up the parks for for, for uh, temporary graves. So, it, 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 that's all true. I mean, in in New Brunswick, which is five miles as the crow flies from me here, there are reefer trucks, you know, set up for bodies. Um. You know, they are, you know, talking about, you know, some of these graves, um, you know, the Times, the New York Times had a story on that earlier this week. You know, there, there's a lot of ugly stuff that's happening. Um, but, you know, the, I, I'm also like, again, I, it sounds terrible, but like having been after 
you have to prepare for things like this. You know, like we are a, a, a target rich environment in this area. And so there are these plans in place for mass casualties. Um, and that's sort of part of life in the United States, which is awful to say. Um, but, you know, like we have a lot of mass shootings. We have a lot of terrible things that happen. Um, so, yeah, there, there's definitely refrigerated trucks set up um, for bodies because we can't do funerals right now. We can't do internments. We can't do, um, you know, all of the, the normal things that we do with our dead. John, maybe um, talk us through a little <laughs> bit about uh, the, the brewery side of things. So how, are, uh, how are the breweries over there pivoting? How are they adapting? What sort of uh, innovative uh, ideas have they come up with to, to combat the current situation? That was a wonderful pivot away from like my death and destruction, by the way. <laughs> well, we, we, we didn't want to labour it too. Yeah, no, no, nor, nor should we. Um, so breweries are really struggling right now. Uh, before we went into this, the United States had about 8,100, 8,200 uh, breweries. You know, it's the, the most in our country's history. Um, but a lot of these are really small, and a lot of them are taproom specific. And, uh, you know, which means that people would go in and pick up their beer and hang out and have a couple of pints and, you know, then go off to the next place. Uh, most of them don't serve food, so they're not restaurants. Um, and a lot of them operated on very thin margins. You know, they operated week to week. If they were open Thursday through Sunday, you know, that's when they made the majority of their money and, you know, they could be closed the rest of the time. Um, so... Right now, we're seeing breweries uh, are open seven days a week. Uh, it's usually the owners or the brewers or whoever has a stake in it, uh, and they're selling to-go beer. Uh, you can place orders online now. Uh, curbside pickup, they'll put it in your trunk for you, uh, which is really nice. Um, so you don't actually have to, you know, talk or you know, touch anybody or anything. Um, and then there's breweries that are doing deliveries as well now, which uh, here in New Jersey was not something that was available beforehand, and so. You can order online, and people will drop it off like it's a pizza right on your, um, uh, you know, right on your doorstep. And so it's, you know, that's sort of a neat novelty thing as well. Uh, I've I've employed that twice now uh, uh, from folks, which is which has been nice. Um, and it's also getting lawless as well. Uh, a lot of bars that aren't open, you know, for regular service, are now filling growlers of beer. Uh, you know, where they never filled growlers before, but you can walk in with a growler and they might sanitize it for you. They might not. Um, and you can, you know, walk out. I've, I've seen, walk out with, you know, fresh draft beer from, from bars. Uh, I've seen some deals online where people are filling milk jugs, uh, plastic milk jugs with you know, barley wine, uh, gallons for you know, 10 bucks. Uh, it's like a fire sale in a lot of ways as well. So um, we've really become the Wild West in a lot of ways. It's such a challenging time because over the last, you know, uh, oh wow, two, I mean, two or three years easily, but as yeah. the distribution business became tougher in the face of uh, you know, increased competition, uh, we'd seen over here, you know, breweries going, well, have a small local um, tap room and that is you, you, your business. Um, yeah. And suddenly all of those businesses that have moved towards hospitality they're the ones that have suddenly shut down and they're going jesus we need to get all of this keg beer into growlers or 
cans or um, um, crowlers. Uh, it, it's just really taking a toll on so many of these breweries that have moved to hospitality. And it's the supply chain as well. Have you guys started to experience the the can and crowler shortage? Uh, cans we're still trying to get to the bottom of. Um, crowlers have gone short. We've had uh, breweries here. I don't know if you have plastic milk, you, you know, juice containers. They're they're not. Yeah, not yet. But like people are going to switch to them soon enough. Yep, no, uh, breweries been done that. have been doing that, yeah. which uh, you know, they're, they're terrible containers because they're not pressure rated. But it's, you know, I, I remember that it when uh, Australia was very much, uh, you know, a frontier uh, country, and, you know, you used to go down, take your tin down to the local pub um, and fill it up from the taps um, and then just put a lid on so the, the bugs didn't get into it and take it home. So we're, we're almost back to, to that sort of Wild West, as, as you say. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that that's going to be, uh, you know, happening with us pretty soon as well. Uh, you know, people are just going to be filling plastic containers and, you know, whatever else. And, you know, any beer purists that want to, you know, yell about it, um, <laughs> there's more important things to worry about. And, and honestly, a year ago, if I saw, you know, plastic jugs being filled, I'd be like, that's ridiculous. Why would you, you know, I'd be one of those complainers. These days, I'd be like, you know. A 15% barley wine for a gallon plastic <laughs> Absolutely. Sign me up. Um, and if I didn't have a toddler, um, I would absolutely drink it and then just enjoy the three-day hangover. But. <laughs> but you say that, but it's it's funny. I've always had a bit of a, like a, 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 a jaundice view of growlers, only because I love the idea of it. But you buy an expensive, you know, glass bottle you take it home and then next time you're at a, a brew pub unless you think to take it with you you have to buy another one so you end up with half a dozen you know a yeah. dozen sitting around that you're just not using um and for the cost of them you know it, it ends up being ridiculously expensive i was speaking to a business that makes um, pet bottles yesterday and i was thinking that you know maybe after all of this we're actually going to see um you know a shift people are much more accepting of filling a PET bottle it's going to cost you 20 cents is one use but highly recyclable but you don't have to worry about the rigmarole the cleaning you know the the, the problems that come with a uh, a glass um, growler w w what do you think of that I sure I mean everything's on the table at this point you know again like Two months ago, had you brought that up to me, I would have been like, that's ridiculous. That's putting beer backwards. That's, you know, taking, you know, these really fun, you know, hard-made products uh, and doing them a disservice by the packaging. Um, two but why months is that? Now, what, what, like, what's wrong with it? If it's, if, you just sort of, if it's just a conveyance to get the beer from your, your, your tap room to home and then pour it into a glass, is it just see, the thought the, of it or is it the practicality I, of it? I think I think it's the thought of it, but I also think that like it is the the long term. If 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 it is just bringing it from point A to point B in a short period of time and then drinking from it immediately, I think that that's great. Um, but at, at at some point, you know, oxygen. If you keep it for longer, oxygen's going to get in. Um, you know, the to to some of these. Uh, you know, if they're not filled correctly, uh, you know, you're going to get all sorts of off flavors and loss of carbonation and, 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 and things like that. But, um, but that's true of a glass growler as well, isn't it? It is true of a, uh, and that's one of the reasons that I've enjoyed the crowlers. 
um, because they at least keep a couple of days longer. Um, but it, it, it's going to come down to, you know, how much do we want to be drinking some of these taproom only beers for, you know, quick consumption mm. uh, versus the taproom experience. And so I wonder if, you know, this isn't going to be just a good ex- excuse for a lot of breweries to put in, if they can, a proper canning line or start to work with mobile canners to just properly package their beer. If if the new normal is going to be to-go beer pickup from your local brewery, I would prefer if a brewery would just package it, you know, the right way or the traditional way that we know is tried and, and, and tested. And then, you know, if I buy a six-pack and I know that it, the six-pack will keep for a month, you know, or three of the cans will keep for a month or something, or however it is, uh, without worry, um, I, I see that as a better investment. Now, w- when you say the new normal, do you mean the new normal while we ride this out, or the post? Uh, new normal. The, 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 yeah, Man, the, the I don't, I don't even know normal. anymore. I don't even know. Like, I who knows? Like, when the new normal is normal, uh, or when, like <laughs> when we hit these things. I mean, so right now the numbers of, of breweries in the U.S. Um, it's looking really grim. Uh, We've seen massive layoffs. We've seen uh, a lot of breweries uh, scale back uh, production, um, you know, quite a bit. And there's a survey that came out yesterday that was basically saying half of the breweries that at least responded to this said that if this goes on for another couple of months, they're they're likely going to have to close. So is the new normal when we get down to 4,000 breweries in the country is the new normal. I, I, I don't even know how to answer that question. Um, but I know that whenever we come out of this or whenever COVID-19 just becomes the way of the world, like the flu is, I, it's just going to, beer is going to be impacted in a pretty severe way. John, I'm interested um You've touched on, uh, I guess, the American experience generally, but the New York experience specifically post 9/11, yep. um, and 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 things changed. But it was different then, I guess, because there were, uh, I guess, you know, physical and obvious restrictions in place in terms of of travel and um, security and all that sort of thing at airports. At the other end of this, do you think that that experience will stand New Yorkers in in better stead, given that? Um, it'll be okay. We, we're, it's kind of safe to go back outside again, uh, and we don't need to take the same, uh, I guess, physical uh, precautions that we did after 9/11. I, so my wife and I talk about this quite a bit. She commutes into the city three days a week um, uh, since we moved into to, to the suburbs, and um, when this is all over, and when people do start commuting in again, and the train lines start to be be packed. Um, there's been discussions of staggered work days, you know, like are there businesses that, you know, actually, and rather, so nine to five is the normal thing here, uh, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., you know, is, you know, do some businesses start doing 10 to 6? Do other d- businesses do 8 to 4 so that there's not as many people on the trains at the same time? Um, and should people just be wearing masks? when they commute, you know, we see that in certain cities, you know, I, 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 I traveled through uh, Shanghai and Beijing uh, uh, just about this time last year. Yeah. And you just see people, you know, who are commuting, you know, maybe it's for pollution reasons, maybe it's for other reasons, but like 
people leave the house and they bring their cell phone and their wallet and their keys, and now maybe you just bring a mask. Um, that's maybe not a bad idea uh, uh, going forward. So I, I, I think that we'll definitely see fundamental changes in the ways that we live our lives every day, especially if, you know, this thing isn't, there's not a tried and true vaccine to this. If this does become, you know, flu-like or chickenpox-like where, you know, you're still susceptible to get it uh, at some point down the line, I, I think it's just personal responsibility. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think too, we're seeing here that um, a lot of a lot of businesses, I think, um, the non-physical businesses, if you like, in terms of not hospitality, more office-based. Uh, do you know what? Uh, we can work from home. Maybe maybe one day a week or one and a half days a week, we do get our staff to to work from home. We're finding that they can be productive. They've got an area set up and, and that sort of thing. So maybe that becomes you know um, something else that changes after all this. I mean, I, I've been working from home for years, so, like, this is no impact on me. Um, I miss traveling. I miss, like, you know, like, going places. Uh, world Beer Cup uh, is supposed to be happening next week in San Antonio. I think a whole bunch of us from around the world were going to get together. And, I was meant to be know, there. Some beers and, yeah, yeah it, it, and it would have been great to see it. And it would, you know, like, you know, we, we got to hang out at uh, GABF this year and uh, or last year, and, like, that was, that was fun. And, um you know, I, I think it would be wonderful to, to do that again, but if the Great American Beer Festival happens this year, and I, I, I can't see under what circumstances it would at this point, it's supposed to be in September, late September, um, I, I, if it did happen, I don't even know if I would go this year. Uh, and I look forward to it every year. Um, but 70,000 people hanging out in close quarters and, you know, spitting while they talk and, <laughs> you know, alcohol in the air and people making bad decisions. And, you know, I, I, I would probably sit it out this year. And I think that we're going to see that with sports. And I think we're going to see that with, uh, concerts and, um, you know, uh, you know, speaking of that, I'm so bummed, uh, next Wednesday, I was supposed to go to Newark, New Jersey in our arena there and see Elton John. And he's been on my bucket list of artists to see before they die. I don't know if you guys have this, um, but uh, he, he's just uh, toured Australia. He, he's just been down, and his tour finished just before all of this uh, took off. Yeah, so so lucky you guys. <laughs> um, but like, I really wanted to see Elton John. It's Elton John, uh, The Stones, and Stevie Wonder are the last three uh, of like the big name acts that are on my list, and. I think I'm probably just going to die disappointed uh, 80 years from now. Well, John, if it makes you feel any better, Elton John was rubbish. It was very disappointing. Wow! <laughs> wow! You want to fight about this? Were you there? Did you see the show? No, I didn't. No, no I, wouldn't, I wouldn't turn my head to watch Elton John. It's not my style of music, but I was just trying to make you feel better. I, 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 <laughs> I heard the reports and I regretted <laughs> not worse. going. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so uh, I, I, when I heard everyone talk about it, I uh, wish that I'd seen it just for that, uh, you know, shared spectacle. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, like, the last thing that, like, is going to be his, his body of work is the second installment of the Kingsman franchise, like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, four listeners that just got that reference, which is fine because it's a terrible movie. Yeah, but, no, yeah. no, whereas the first one was great. The first one, yeah, the first one was funny. It was just like campy fun. 
but the second one was just a retread and recycled jokes plus Elton John. <laughs> yeah. Costume. So, yeah. but John, spoiler I, alert, yeah. <laughs> so sorry, <laughs> we can certainly disappear uh, down the pop culture uh, rabbit yeah. hole. Um, I, I, I was a bit taken by something you said earlier when you t- sort of talked about, you know, potentially 4,000 breweries. Um, it, it, it sounds like you're very bearish about what's going to emerge on the other side. Is is there any, you know, business support um, from any level of government over there you know, to, to, to give business as a buffer to get through this? Yes. So uh, our small business administration, the SBA, uh, is administering loans right now. And uh, we had a $1 trillion uh, U.S. uh, plan that went through uh, to sort of help out people and to uh, help small businesses. Whether or not uh, it's actually going to pay off in the long run, no pun intended, uh, remains unclear. Uh, there's also a Paycheck uh, Protection Program, PPP, uh, that's been established uh, to help companies uh, continue to pay people uh, while they're shut down. The, the, the problem is the hospitality industry, where breweries really fall into, um, is a largely tipped-based economy uh, here in the U.S. So if, if you went in, you bought a beer, I, I, I forget how, how how tipping works with you guys or even if it even exists we tend not to okay so here in the u.s for example uh if i go to a a, a brewery or a bar and i buy a beer um and it's seven dollars i'll usually put like tip a dollar to the server so my beer becomes eight dollars but i'm giving them like a, a dollar bill you know sometimes more um and that's the way that it, it works for the most part. So people get an hourly wage from their employee, uh, employer, um, but it's far less than the minimum wage, which is about $15 or, or so right now uh, an hour. So it might be, you know, three bucks an hour, five bucks an hour, something like that. Um, and so it's largely tip-based. So people can go home if they have a good night with a couple hundred dollars in their pocket in tips. That's a tough thing to quantify to the government right now because when you say, okay, but well, but you paid taxes on this, so, but you're saying you got this, so why are we going to give you the extra money oh, now? Oh, right, okay. So that so it's the hospitality industry is really suffering because of this because it is still a largely cash based or in some cases, you know, under the table business. Um, it's vital. And that's just the way that it's always been. Um, but that's why I really think that a lot of the folks who, you know, if you're a brewery that has taproom staff and their sole job was to serve beers over the counter to customers who came in on a Saturday afternoon, and now you don't have a Saturday afternoon to serve customers to, you know, those people are going to hurt quite a bit. Um and if you were used to, you know, 50 people coming in on the Saturday, but now you're getting 10 people picking up beer on a Saturday because they're not leaving their house. Or, you know, in the past it was here in Jersey, um, you know, you would go to maybe two or three breweries in an afternoon. Um, uh, you know, your fellow statesman, uh, 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 James Atkinson, was in town uh, a couple of months ago and uh, took him to a couple of different places. We had three or four places. Uh, and that's what you do on a Saturday afternoon. But we don't do that anymore. And so, you know, the hundred bucks that I would have spent at 
four breweries now becomes maybe 15 bucks to pick up a four pack at a single brewery that, and that's happening around the country. So that, that, that's why I'm bearish on it just because people's spending habits are going to change. And you also have to remember the larger economics of it. Like, you know, we have like 6 million people who apply, uh, applied for unemployment here in the U S uh, in the last like two weeks. So people are losing their jobs now. So there's not the disposable income that used to happen uh, to buy your $20 four pack of hazy IPA. And, you know, so instead you go and you buy your you know, $15, 30 pack of Bud Light, I guess, if, 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 you, if you want beer. So um, I, I hate to be down on what's happening in the industry right now. But I mean, it's just it's, you know, it's it's it, it's looking more and more like economics these days. And economics is really going to hurt a lot of these small businesses. Yeah, well, John, we're certainly at the antidote, uh, I guess, looking for any ways to be upbeat and uh, to <laughs> you know, put forward. Sorry, if I, I can turn some of those red thoughts into green thoughts, John. Uh, about 90% of our audience you lost when you said, so I walk into a bar and I buy a beer for $7. <laughs> we go, oh, man, what, did you, you buy so... a sample? <laughs> so there are some oh, things okay. to be thankful for no matter what the situation. How much does a beer cost by you guys? Uh, I think, well, a standard, yeah, so a 285 mil pot, I think the standard price is $5.35 or something. So that's so about that's seven a, ounce, a, 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 I think. trying to think. Five ounce, seven ounce, seven Five ounce. Five ounce. Yeah. It's a small, yeah. Sorry, we're not so on for, the metric. Like, I actually yeah. mean that. I'm really sorry. I, I'm thinking probably nine fifty ten dollars for 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 the equivalent of, of what you're sort of you know for a um, a pint or a, or a pint you, you, of, of West Coast IPA you're probably talking eleven so, twelve dollars. So in fairness, in, in New York City bars, that's absolutely what we're paying. And, and, and all in of New that York. is all of the difference is tax, incidentally too. Like we pay you know like a third of uh, every beer we buy is, goes to the federal government in tax. I think we're just uh, paying off the mafia around here but that's, <laughs> uh, totally um no so I, it's uh there's a town that i went to a couple years ago in montana called missoula and there's just this like blanket understanding among all of the breweries in town there's like 16 breweries in town something like that that every pint is just going to be five bucks and it was awesome i was there for like four or five days and every bar that I went into is just $5 pints, regardless of the time of day. And it was just glorious. Um, so, I love the you way know, you said the four or five days I was there. I'm thinking, why did you leave? Because <laughs> <laughs> I had Elton John tickets. <laughs> and we come beautifully back. <laughs> Well, John, look, we better let you go. Um, is there anything else that you'd um, just, like just to share with us? I, I, I just on, wanted mate. to find out a little bit about yeah. um, the, the Beer Edge because we've certainly put a lot of people on to drink beer, think beer. How is the Beer Edge going that. through Thanks. all of this? Because that was only something that you uh, kicked off about three months ago and it was a subscription uh, service for the industry. Um, yeah. Um, you know, we picked a hell of a time to launch a business because <laughs> uh, there's no industry. Uh, anymore, but uh, yeah, a a Andy and I, um, we got to talking, uh, I guess, uh, early last fall, and we decided that um, 
you know, we wanted to, to, to do something to sort of offer insight and uh, analysis uh, for the beer industry. And so we launched uh, Beer Edge, this uh, this newsletter, and it's been a lot of fun. We're still doing it twice a week, and, you know, we're, we're grateful for the subscribers that we have. And uh, we want to continue to give them um, uh, information, so we're doing that. But then, uh, you know, we have this podcast, Drink Beer, Think Beer, which, uh, which I love doing. Um, it, it's uh, – I wanted to be a broadcaster when I first got into to journalism, and it took me – uh, gosh, 20 years to, to finally get back into it. And I love every minute of it. And I'm going to keep doing the show and uh, regardless of, of, of what happens and um, keep going forward. And this new podcast that we're doing, which is simply the Beer Edge podcast, uh, is all covering COVID-19 right now. And, you know, I, I, I enjoy doing that as well, um, you know, because we do get to, you know, find the good stuff, um, you know, that's happening among all of the tragedy. Um, and covering the tragedy is important too. Um, none of us should be sugarcoating what is happening out in the world right now, because I think that does a larger disservice to the world. You know, we're journalists and it's our job to report what we see and what people tell us. And in this day and age, and especially in, in this country, uh, where I am, uh, the truth has never been more important. And real facts and believing in science has never been more important. Um, and so I, I feel this real weight um, in the coverage that I'm doing, and I want to I want to keep doing it. So um, thanks for letting me have that little spiel. Oh uh, no, no pleasure. Uh, and I do love what you guys are doing. I think I think shows like this are important. And you know, I'm 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 curious to see. You know how it it evolves, uh, you know, for you all because, um, you know, every country has this and every country is is going through it. But every every country, you know, is still slightly different, as we all know, and especially in the beer world. You know, like when we're even talking about pint prices. Um, so we need voices like what the two of you are doing with this show, um, you know, to keep the local beer drinkers and the brewers and everybody else who is in this industry that we cover, but that we also have a passion for, um, abreast of what's happening. So thanks to you guys as well. And, you know, for letting me ramble for 45 minutes. Oh, not, not at all. What, what have you been drinking? Cause it's, it's morning here. Um, <laughs> we, we've been having a cup of coffee. What have you been enjoying while we've been uh, chatting? Uh, two, two different things actually. Uh, thanks Matt. Um, uh, I was drinking a Pilsner. Uh, I'm trying to stay on brand with my love of Pilsners on on, on all of these things. Uh, this is from the Von Trapp Brewing Company. Uh, you all have seen The Sound of Music, right? That's a that's a movie that made its way to you, right? Absolutely, yes. Okay, I, I, I don't know. There's certain things, you know. Like apparently, <laughs> Elton John's not popular where you live, so like. Well, I no, just with Pete. I mean, Pete's out of step with anything right. popular. I'm a contrarian. <laughs> Uh, so the Von Trapp family uh, started a brewery in Vermont, in Stowe, Vermont, uh, and they make all authentic style, like German Pilsners, uh, Austrian Pilsners. Um, and it's awesome. So I just drank one of their Pilsners, and then I switched to It's not Stand called by. the Pilsner Alive by any chance, is it? <laughs> no, but that, boy, wouldn't have that been just like brilliant of them? Well, I I, I didn't. I'm not that clever. You guys are smart. Don Tess in Canada, uh, the beer writer in Canada. You guys, if you just want to have just a pun-filled show, you should get him on. Or Brian Yeager <laughs> from California, the other beer writer. I never in a thousand years 
like a thousand monkeys at a thousand typewriters, I never would have come up with the pills are alive. Never. So thank you. You just made my day. Um, and then I was drinking a, a hoppy pilsner called Stand By, which is from Rockwell Beer Company in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, the brewer there, uh, John Moxie, is an old friend of mine. And uh, he and I came up uh, in, in the beer world at the pretty much the same time. We were in this beer enthusiast group about 20 years ago. And uh, a lot of people from that group like wound up either in the beer industry or industry adjacent like I am. And uh, um, so I like drinking his beer. And it's a really fun hoppy pilsner that I, uh, in a blind panel, just gave a pretty nice score to for Wine Enthusiast magazine, unbeknownst to its provenance until afterwards. So, Well, um, well Pete was trying to wind this up, but you've just opened a, a can of worms because the last time we saw you, Pete and I were in Denver. We saw you very, very briefly, but we had just... Yeah, and I apologize about that. We were all with writers and we were having a good time. Oh, and, it, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It, it's absolutely crazy times and we were still a little bit jet-lagged and uh, tired. But uh, as we went through Yakima and visited uh, a number of places, Pilsners were, were everywhere um, and we, we started to see, and Bierstadt um, in, in Denver was a oh. revelation. Um, By the way, so Bierstadt, can I just point out, is canning their beer for the first time this weekend. Wow. It so slow, slow pour. Pandemic. <laughs> yeah, in cans. Is, slow pour is finally coming to cans this weekend. Um, and here's me unable to get a plane ticket out to Denver. <laughs> Actually, I shared um, on Facebook uh, the, 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 the chat that you did. And I can't remember. I think it was Drink Beer, Think Beer. Um, it was, yeah. In, with Ashley and Bill. Yeah, and that was, yeah. that was just an incredible uh, chat. I, I didn't even need to be there for that. Uh, the two of them are so thoughtful and so smart and passionate and, you know, contrarian and are unafraid of giving their opinions, which are, in my opinion, always right. Um, that was such a fun chat for me. Um, and nationally renowned, locally ignored. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which, I mean, is just, you know... Well, that was the, the last brewery that Matt and I drank together at before um, before we headed back home. And I, I think I've re-listened to that episode um, three times now. <laughs> it's... Uh, um, I have missed two flights home from Denver because I was having such a good home with your son. Like I looked down at my phone and had to call United Airlines and be like, Hey, can I get a seat on the next plane? And they were like, sure. Cause you know, they're nice to me like that. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've gotten into trouble with your stop before. But my question about Pilsner's yeah, was, uh, sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. Sorry. I, my question about Pilsner's was, <laughs> I find it interesting because it, it's something that Pete and I, um, you know, Pete's uh, nom de guerre is Professor Pilsner. And, you know, when we first got into beer writing, again, 15, 20 years ago, um, and we first met, um, you know, an American pale ale was, you know, what craft beer was all about. But a good Pilsner was still, and Belgians were what we cut our teeth on. And yeah. we've gone right through the, the, the full curve of the hop wars, and, you know, now we're seeing you know, the, the, the Sour Wars and, you know, um, lactose and everything being thrown in. But for us, an awesome beer is a great Pilsner. Is that just a sign of us getting old and, you know, the kids are playing in the exciting space or has the wheel turned? Um, and a good Pilsner is actually coming back into vogue. 
So I, this is such a fascinating question because when writers get together, especially who write about beer, or when brewers get together, we're all drinking Pilsner. And every year or so, for the last couple of years, there's been a bunch of us prognosticators who have said, you know, this is going to be the year of Pilsner. This <laughs> is the year of lager. Um, but we've seen so many craft breweries um, turn their attention to lagers and pilsners in the last couple of years. Um, I just finished doing a, a, a pale lager uh, panel for, for Wine Enthusiast magazine um, and had so much choice from breweries that I never would have expected uh, doing these things. And a lot of them are really good. Um, and it's because they're dedicating their tank time. And I think that the more, you know, so that, you know, we can tie up a tank for seven weeks as opposed to, to two weeks with a turn and burn IPA. Um, but more than that, I think that as any brewer gets older and becomes a little bit more mature and becomes a little bit more thoughtful about their career, they want to challenge themselves. You know, so you guys as writers and broadcasters, like, you know, you're probably looking in the way that I am for different stories these days. And, you know, like, what can I do that's really impactful as opposed to, you know, a 200 word, you know, BS, whatever, that's going to, you know, make me Twitter famous for five minutes. Like, what can I do that has a lasting impact? And I think that brewers are the same way as, as they get older and mature. And they're saying, okay, loggers are really hard. You know, pilsners are really hard. And if I'm going to put one out that is diastole free, and that is, you know, tastes like one of the, you know, the classic world pills, like a Pilsner or Kell or even a Coors Banquet. Um, we're seeing more of that. And so I think it comes with maturity. The other thing is, too, and I said this before, it comes down to economics. Here in the United States, 13% of beer drinkers, as of, you know, two months ago, identified as craft. So 87% of beer drinkers were macro drinkers in the U.S. And that's all Pilsner, lager, whatever, uh, you know, big macro beer. If my dad walks into a brewery and sees a Pilsner, you know, if he comes with me, that's what he's going to drink because he prefers Heineken as his go-to beer. And I, I don't fault anybody for having a go-to beer. And so the brewers are also saying, okay, if we have all these people coming into our tap room, why are we going to give them a hazy blueberry lactose IPA when some people just want a simple pills. Well, so it's, always, it's always my go-to, because I, I like the style, but if I walk into a new yeah. brewery, if I want to really get a sense for the whether the brewer is on top of his art, like their, their lager is the best way to do that because it's not hiding 100%. anything. Um, and, and it gives you a really good idea of what their base level um, beer is like. Hundred percent, hundred percent. If I if I get a sample of it, and all I'm getting is whiffs of diacetyl, it's like, all right, well, I'm just gonna go on to the next place. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a benchmark thing, and it's it's not something that it's not a style that you can be cavalier with. And if a brewery decides to tap one and is being cavalier about it, uh, I wonder what else is you know lurking just beneath the surface. Anyway, we, we, this is meant to be a short form. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was just about to say, thank you very much for giving us 10 minutes of your time today, John. <laughs> is that how long we were supposed to go, is 10 minutes? 
Oh, that's all the other guests have got, so they're going to be very jealous. John Holt, thank you very much for giving us a bit of time on The Antidote today. Uh, we, we really do appreciate your time. And, and as you touched on before, I think it's important that uh, what we're doing is, is trying to create engagement, to create a connection for people who are um, physically but also socially isolated. And we do hope we, some of our guests have, have come back to us and said, yeah, that was actually cathartic because I've, you know, I've heard all these thoughts rumbling around in my head, but I've been too busy to kind of, I guess, actuate them. Um, and being able to chat and just, just being able to say those things, yep, I feel better. So hopefully um, you've been that sounding board for a, a lot of brewers in your patch um, and we hope that we've been able to uh, return the favour, I guess, and give you uh, a, a little bit of that therapeutic um, goodness. You sure did. Uh, guys, I miss seeing you in person. I hope I get to see you again soon. Here's to that. Here's to a beer on the other side. Absolutely. Cheers, John. Cheers. And cheers. And cheers. Yes, I know. What? Crickets in the chat room, Matt. So I don't know whether that means uh, it's pre-recorded, so I can't ask questions. So, you know, we lost that engagement uh, and interaction side of things or whether our audience just don't have that longer an attention span. On Thursday afternoon before Good Friday, yeah, who, who knows? But look, it, it, they, they can listen to it on download and what a great chat. What a lovely guy. It was, and as I say, not only could we have gone on for another 20 minutes, but we actually did once we stopped <laughs> recording. Um, you should have heard, uh, yeah, uh, some very forthright um, uh, thoughts and uh, on, uh, on on the political scene in the in the United States as well. Oh, absolutely, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, as you can probably imagine. Yeah, but listen, Matt, we better, uh, people have got things to do, places to see, beers to drink, well, not places to see, other than the inside of your own house, but um Thanks very much again for joining us. Thanks to everyone in the chat room. Hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, well, it's Good Friday tomorrow, but we'll, we'll, we will be back. So There's no such thing as a public holiday during lockdown, Matt. Absolutely not. We've Every got Dave Padden, uh, who's been, we've been trying to get on the show for a little while. We've got while. the Dodger. And also Pete Brown. Oh, excellent. And, and now, is Pete going to be joining us real time, or are we... It is going, no, that's going to be real time. So uh, he's going to be having his morning coffee, and we're going to be having our evening beers. All right, then. Well, in sympathy, perhaps we'll go with, uh, you know, like a coffee stout or, a, or, or something <laughs> like that. So, but uh, no, thank you, Pete, and thank you for the uh, chat room for, for sticking with us, and uh, thank you to everyone who's downloaded and uh, been sending us cards and emails and telling us, and don't forget, you can review us. Exactly. And thanks again to John Hall. Uh, it was terrific to um, have his time. But as I say, the insights that he's got, you know, we could have we could have done a month's worth of the antidote. Anyway, play us out, Matt. Flattening the Curves by The Weather Girls. Join us again, same time tomorrow, The Matt and Pete Show.